What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is Monday, February 12th, 2024. As always, I am PK alongside my co-host, Phil, for episode 258. Phil, I know uh, we talked very briefly before this episode started. You said you had a surprise talking point before the show, so I'm going to sit back, relax, and let you take this away. All right, so you know that there's always been a few things... We wanted out of this podcast as far as milestone kind of things. Um, and we had a few last year as far as press box. I think it's still really up there and pretty, pretty cool that this little podcast has that ability. Um, but another one that I've always wanted that I didn't know if we were ever really going to get was having an official professional opinion. So that essentially means making some kind of money from this show. And uh, I've always just kind of wanted the ability to say in my professional opinion and have it actually be professional. And we are now moving into the world of being amateur experts that are now professional amateur experts. So we do have our first official sponsor. I'm not going to release them and we will not be releasing them until the next episode because I wanted to go over essentially what we're trying to do with sponsors for this show as we get them, if we continue to get more as we continue to grow. So from a listener standpoint, anything we really get from sponsors is not going to us. It's not going to be a lot of money. We're not making uh, this an official job by any means, but any kind of money we really get is going right back into the show, whether it's equipment, whether it's a better website for us, whether it's free stuff and free giveaways we can finally do for the fans and not have to use our own money that we're struggling to survive with. So that's a lot of kind of what we're trying to get sponsors for. And as far as the sponsors we choose, we're going to do our best to keep them local and meaningful to you, the listeners. So whenever we get them, we don't want them to be similar to like Indeed that we've heard a lot of much, much bigger podcasts have those kind of generic ones. That's nothing Against Indeed, but that's not really what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep our sponsors local and, again, meaningful to you guys. Something that the listeners can actually kind of go to, use, whatever it is. We're going to try to keep it for Buffalo. We're going to try to keep it, you know, hotspots or something in the area you can go purchase. Um, Just things that actually matter to you, the listener. We're not trying to get kind of random ones that you're just going to blow past and not really pay attention to. We're trying to get ones that really matter to you and ones that we think that you guys and gals out there that listen to us would really enjoy. So we will be revealing our first sponsor on the next show. But PK, we officially have professional opinions. I'm um, I'm not ready for this. Uh, I actually have to be taken more seriously now because the word professional is in front of my my name now, uh, professional PK. That's not something I would have ever thought I would be, but yeah, like I think the biggest thing that you added that I've noted is we're not making this a profession. Would we love to make this a profession? Yes, but we're realistic. I think you and I are very realistic with the size of the show, the impact of the show, where we currently are. I think we've always been a a show that doesn't overstretch where they think they are in this type of space. I think we know where we are, where we want to be, but we're just not there yet. So 
I think you said it perfectly. Every single dollar that we're earning is not going into our pockets. We are not the CEOs of big companies that give themselves raise and then cuts the bottom line. All the money that is going to be coming into this podcast is going to be used to grow this podcast, improve this podcast, do whatever it takes so we can get to the place we want to go. And that's not we're not anywhere near that yet. It's not like, hey, we can split whatever earnings we're making on these sponsorships and like, hey, let's go on a cruise. No, it's not happening. It's just like for these microphones that are in front of us, can we improve there? Can we improve you know, our, our website, like you said, grow in that space? Can we finally hire a social media person so I don't have to do it every single day? But that's down the line. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's just another layer of our growth that we're going to continue to look out for and be on the lookout for if it's at all possible to continue to grow this little idea that we had almost three years ago. Yeah, exactly. And with that, I do have one bonus thing that has nothing to do with sponsors, but we can get into the show. It's kind of where we left off last show. I had a random topic that I wanted to throw out there, but our episode got pretty long. This one looks like it might be long, so we'll try to make it quick. But it's been on the piece of paper in front of me since I recently purchased them again in my life. So, PK, this is a this is a big question for us as co-hosts. So I don't. It might make or break the show right here. It might be over. Do I have to get my own this. piece of paper here? Or is this... No, 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 no. It's okay, just a, it's an opinion based question. So, right. are you team toaster strudel or team pop tarts? Oh, um, I'll be honest. I don't remember the last time I had a toaster strudel and. It was probably, I definitely had a one in front of my number, my, my age. Um, it's been over 10 I, years. I am one of those people that likes ease and convenience. I don't like putting too much effort into very many things in my life. And that is why I've probably leaned towards Pop-Tarts. One, because of the ease and convenience, you should just go in the cabinet, grab it, rip it open and start chomping down on it. And two... I feel like there's more flavors when it comes down to pop tarts. Like I think there's more variety and a lot more, more That's true. deliciousness involved in. It. I think in the end, if it's a cold day, I think you prefer the toaster strudel because it warms up your insides. But for you know, quick snack and convenience, I'm going pop tart. And because of my life, I'm leaning pop tart. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's. It's all in what you you have time for. I love toaster strudels a lot. It was a, a same thing. I didn't bought them in I have no idea how long. I used to eat them when I was and now you younger. have ninety boxes in your freezer. I just went through one in about a week. Um, I do have a spare in the freezer it as is. well. <laughs> when you use one, you then have the backup. So then you got to oh, go out and buy the new backup, which becomes you know it's, yeah. it's it's down the line. I used to do the frozen pop tarts for a few of them. Those were really good um where you freeze it and then take it out and just eat it those were interesting i've never really been i don't know i don't like like if i have to toast it i'm going toaster strudels for sure i've never really eaten pop tarts straight up i've never been that person i know a ton of people do um but i i never really had the interest in just taking them out of the uh the cabinet and munching on them you should give it a try it's delicious i also never liked the the outer crust of pop tarts oh you can rip those off yeah i feel like most people do 
The oh, inside's I, I great. Just, I, I will admit, the chomp. inside of a pot. I'm not anti pop tart by any means. They are very good. You're just more pro. I'm just pro toast, especially with the frosting. Right. Again, it's more of a chore for sure to set up your toaster strudel. I mean, you got to get it out of the freezer, put in the toaster, and then drizzle some frosting. Sometimes you make designs if you're really feeling artsy that morning. Um, but so, so it, it is more effort. I think toaster strudels overall are better, but the ease of use of pop tarts is definitely an advantage. I will end on this because I know we're already almost 10 minutes into this and we got a longer episode. But the issue I have with toaster strudels, if I'm remembering correctly, is the lack of planning that you can have in the beginning stages of the frosting. You either use too little and then you get stuck with a ton of it in the last two or you use too much and then there's no frosting at the end. They don't one, they don't give you enough frosting. And then two, the frosting that they give you, it should be marked where it's like, hey, if you divide these and use this amount or like individual pouches, they are individual pouches. Are they now? This is how long they've always been individual pouches. Oh, the, not the ones I bought. There was always one big pouch of it. And that then is, it would that just, is insanity. That I don't know what you were eating. Oh, maybe they were the knockoff Aldi's <laughs> brand, which they were delicious either way. But I would catch myself waiting for them to pop out of the toaster and I'm eating the, the frosting. So like that was an issue. I just never ate the bottom part, yeah, like no, the, the second the, half of the toaster. I guess, I guess the official toaster strudel, they always have individual packets where it's one frosting well, packet per toaster about. strudel. Oh. They pre-measure it for you. <laughs> well, this this is a game changer. I mean, it's probably still not going to do it. Because, right. It's still a lot know, of effort for you. I get it. Yeah. But it does help. Effort, it does help. <laughs> it does help. This is blowing my mind. I did not know the official toaster schedules had individual packets. This is it's a game changer. It's, it, it's, it perks my interest. It's still not going to change my opinion, but it perks my interest. So uh, we'll, we'll jump into this one. Let us know if you prefer Pop-Tarts or Toaster Strudels and why at Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Buffalo Sports Collective and on X and Blue Sky at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you this podcast. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Phil will not have a Buffalo Bandits article this week because they were on by, but you can review last week's article, which he reposted the Sunday, and then you can read my new upcoming power rankings because there's going to be a lot of changes this coming Thursday. We will start, unfortunately, with the Buffalo Sabres. Shocker, another loss. Saturday, home, St. Louis, kids day, Sabretooth's birthday. <laughs> Everybody was let down. Three to one loss. Oposo was the only goal scorer. UPL 23 of 26 save shots were 34 to 26 in favor of the Sabres as their putrid season continues. Yeah, there's really just nothing... Nothing to add um, to this. Yep. It's literally the exact same thing we've seen over and over and over. UPL played great. I feel really bad for him. The Sabres threw a bunch of nonsense shots that meant nothing at the net. They got one goal. And if you can be mind blown of where that goal came from, it was right in front of the net because that's a weird place to score. And I, I think, you know, other teams uh, really enjoy scoring right in front of the net, but the Sabres have yet to figure out that that's where you score in this league. Uh, in this game, they did it once, and they did it well, and Opozo scored from right in front of the net, but the rest of their shots and opportunities were from really far out and just absolutely nothing. Um, again, feel bad for UPL. He's putting up a pretty solid season, but no one cares because the Sabres continue to lose, and I, I, I just don't. That, that's it. It's just the same same thing over and over, and here we are again. Yeah, 12 points back of a playoff spot now. Uh, the deficit continues. I think they have to win like nine out of 10 games with this last 
you know, 31 games to go in this putrid season. I I I think we said everything we wanted to say in the last episode. Don Granado's not getting fired. Uh, Kevin Adams not getting fired this late into a season. It's just not happening. They're not even probably going to change an assistant coach this late in a season. But I will say this. I still really hope and everything that I'm hearing and the rumors that are out there are Buffalo is looking to add now talent. Now, will they be able to? I have no idea. But I am you know, hesitantly optimistic that they might actually be able to pull off a deal where they are moving some of their younger pieces and draft picks for more now talent that will help them with the current lineup they have. Do I expect them to make this crazy run to get back into contention? No chance. They can't even win three games in a row. So why would I believe they have they can win nine out of ten games the rest of the season? It's not happening. But I do want to see them add a piece that will help their now NHL team for this year and the player has term, so we will be back next year. And I'm not talking about a an Eric Robinson. I'm not talking about a Jordan Greenway. I'm not talking about one of those bruiser big type players that is nitty gritty that can get in front of the net. I'm talking about a second or first line winger that can contribute to the goal scoring. Because after last year, what we saw, and we've said it so many times now, the goal scoring was unbelievable last year and the defense and the goaltending let them down. This year it's reversed where the goaltending is just carrying this team. It could be uglier, uglier defeats than it actually is. Three to one is unbelievable. UPL deserved to win both of those games, but you put up two goals in the last two games. It's disgusting what they've been able to do on offense and they broke something that wasn't you know, an issue and whatever. But I, I am pleasantly optimistic that they could actually do something right this season where they're going out and trying to get a now piece rather than, hey, let's ship off Gergensons and get a sixth round pick. Let's ship off Eric Johnson and get a seventh round pick. I still hope they do that just to get those players out of the lineup and some of these younger players up. But, and I know some of these younger players are struggling down in Rochester anyways, but I am just tired of the same narrative of the running out the same lineup and getting the same results. I want fresh faces that have longer term that are, you know, mid to later twenties that will be around here. Like a, an Alex Tuck that was brought in, but somebody that has a higher ceiling than he does. I have seen a lot that it seems like they're headed toward defensemen. What are your thoughts on that versus offense? I know they They need need a defenseman for sure. Yeah, I understand that. But like your offense can only put up one goal a game and your focus is on defense. I mean, obviously get what you can get. So, I mean, if, if the pieces out there for the trade are defensive, you know, focused and you get a top four defenseman, absolutely go for it, do it, whatever. But I, I wish they would aim for a top six defense or offensive player. And then if that, you know, isn't obviously out there and what is out there is a top four defenseman, I would be perfectly fine with that as well. But hearing that they're trying to like focus on defense, I think is frustrating when you have a few really, really good pieces on defense. When you have two number one overall picks, Samuelson, I understand he's gone this year, but this year's a waste anyway. So hopefully you get him back healthy next year, even though he struggled a bit with injuries throughout his career now. I mean, I know it's very young, but he's off to a injury plague start to his career. So that's not promising, but still you have some decently solid young defensemen and your offense can't do anything. So I hope they aim offense but if they have to settle for a top four defenseman like you just kind of mentioned that's perfectly fine they need it either way but I don't know it's weird to hear that they're 
looking at and focusing on defense unless that simply is what is out there. I'd rather have them look at a top six forward than top four defenseman. I agree. I agree. I'm just, I'm a little concerned because they usually, usually around this time, around the, the trade deadline, that's not when you see bigger moves. You've seen a lot of bigger moves within the last month or two around the NHL. I'm a little concerned that there won't be anything available. You won't get a deal done until the summer. And then, you know, that, that we're back to starting from ground zero at in October again. So right. I, I'm just, I'm kind of, at this point in the season, 51 games through, any kind of change. Like, <laughs> like that's all I'm asking. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not getting a GM change. I know I'm not getting a coaching change. I know I'm not getting an assistant coaching change. I know I'm not getting any fresh faces coming in from Rochester because the players down there that are supposed to be the next wave of prospects coming in are struggling and they're not going to get the call up. And the players currently in the lineup are not changing. So I want some type of change. Yep. That's all I'm asking for. Like, even if it's come becomes a bust, at least it shows that the front office is doing something like they're behind a desk. They're picking up phone calls because currently starting <laughs> through this season so far, I don't even know if Kevin Adams comes in on Monday morning. I don't know if he's there on, you know, Friday afternoon. I, to me, they're just, you know, on vacation on a cruise somewhere, just hanging out because they don't do anything. Like your shirt that you wore last week, the do something, they're not doing it. They don't even have a stick. They're not even on the t-shirt. It's just, I, I, I want anything. I want change for the sake of change. And that's not, not always a good thing, but I just want something. I want something fresh and new and gives me some type of hope because honestly, for those listening to the Sabre segments, God bless you. Cause holy crap. I don't know how you're suffering through this because you and I, we don't have anything else to talk about because it's the same thing every single week. And we've said the same thing every single week because nothing changes. So I just want something else to talk to that will get me some type of hope, even if it's a false hope and it's the train coming down the, the tracks. Anyways, I just want something new to be able to talk about something here for the next 31 games. Yeah, that's fair. I got I got nothing else to add to the Sabres. <laughs> okay, that's good, because let's bury them and walk away and unmark grave. Uh, we'll talk about the Buffalo Bandits now, even though we're on bye week. We did our playoff predictions in the offseason. This is kind of like what we did last Friday's show, where we're kind of updating any of our bold predictions. This one's our playoff predictions. Let's give this a little bit of an update. Let's do it by the top three. You and I will both give our top three updated and last predictions. Then we'll do the next three. We'll do the final two, and then we can just breeze through who we didn't make it. So, Phil, give me your top three playoff-seeded teams before the season started and what you're predicting them to look like after Week 11. Yeah, my before the season started was Buffalo, Toronto, Halifax. It was my bold prediction that the former East would take the top three in that order. And currently, I am sticking with Buffalo, Toronto, and Halifax. I am, before the season started, I had Buffalo, Toronto, San Diego, and I have no reason <laughs> to change that. I have Buffalo, Toronto, San Diego as my top three as well. Buffalo, goaling, goal scoring machine. I just wish their defense would pick it up. Toronto, I know they lost, and we'll get into that game in a little bit, but... They're still one of the best defensive teams and possibly their MVP goalie of the year is in between the pipes. And then San Diego, they're just an absolute machine. I know they lost as well, so they came back to Buffalo. We'll talk about that. But I just think those are, to me, at least the clear and obvious top three in the league right now. Yeah, I think Halifax is up there, but I do think 
those I, I can e- easily see Halifax and San Diego kind of switching. Um, either way, like I, I think Halifax could possibly overtake it if they can continue actually playing consistent lacrosse. But San Diego is a monster, and their goalie, who I will be talking about in a little bit, is incredible. So I, I do think those are still arguably the three powerhouses of the league. Yeah, you kind of backed yourself in a corner with your bold prediction. I just kind of got a lock in here. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had to put Halifax. I mean, at least Halifax is five and three. They're right, fourth right. right now, so they're still looking good. But uh, yeah, with my bold prediction, just kind of want to stick with it. So I could easily see San Diego number three, but you know, it's bold for a reason. We got to stick with it. So who are seeds four, five, and six for you before the season started and now currently? Yeah, this is where it gets really interesting, and honestly, the seven and eight of mine are already probably going to be switched, but I'm going to have to leave it and just kind of suffer with it. But this part gets very, very different. So I had San Diego in the four seed and then Calgary in the five, Colorado in the six. And currently for the updated playoff prediction, I have San Diego in the four seed, Albany at fifth and New York at sixth. I had before the season started Halifax in the four seed. I had Colorado in the fifth seed and Calgary in the sixth seed. So we both had the exact same top seven, just in a different order. And that has definitely changed a bit. I currently now have Halifax as my four seed. I have Albany going to Halifax as my five seed. And then shooting up from a previous 12 seed, (laughs) I have New York as my sixth seed now making the playoffs and having to go to San Diego for a rematch of what we just saw on Saturday night. That's what I'm talking about in New York. Shut them yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because I shot them back up, their season is going to come crashing down because uh, you know I'm high on them now. Uh, it's four straight wins for them. So, yeah. Uh, I think Halifax, I think you pretty much summed it up. I think their offense is great. My only worry with them is Hill and Net, but he's been playing very well. Albany, I could honestly see. They're sitting at 6-2 and two right now. They had their bye week this week. But they're a very young team. We talked about it a lot. They started 6-0. and oh, They've lost two straight. If they don't right the ship, they're a team that could tumble down. And I wanted to see them in the first six games, you know, beating these teams and and surviving as long as they have. But two losses in a row can have big impact on your psyche. So I'm a little bit concerned with them still sitting at five. I could see them. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I could see them falling down to like the six, seven, eight seed. But right now I got them in fifth. And then the six, like I said, New York. The comeback that they had versus San Diego and the upsets that they're playing with, four wins in a row, five of the last six, it's hard to ignore them right now. I might have them a bit too low in my playoff predictions right now. Yeah, New York, give me one second. All right, yeah, their last four wins, all against good teams. I mean, you're looking at Buffalo, Georgia, Calgary is whatever you want to call them right now, and then San Diego. So, Three of those four teams on their win streak are top teams in the league and currently sitting in playoff spots. So it's not like they're just beating up the bottom of the league and, you know, they're winning some tight battles against other bad teams. They're beating good teams to do what they've done in their last four games. And like you said, five of their last six. So they're a team that that's, could be on quite a roll, and I think they could end up being a bit scary. I don't know if they're really going to be able to you know win it all or crack the top tier teams but at the same time they just beat san diego and buffalo so they do have it in them to compete with those top teams in the league so they could be a scary team especially for buffalo it seems to struggle with them if they make playoffs and you and i both have them doing that so last two teams in who was your seven eight seed and who is it currently 
Yeah, my 7-8 seed was Panther City and New York, and I already feel like what I switched it to is wrong, uh, especially after this weekend. Things are not looking great for some of these teams. Um, I was hoping that Rochester and Colorado would come away with wins and kind of right their own ship, and neither of them did that. They are now sitting 10-13 uh, in the standings and not looking very good, so the teams that I had just missing it are likely the teams that are actually going to make it. So already probably swinging and miss there after this weekend, which I know you wouldn't think one weekend would have that big of an impact, but it clearly did. So um, it is Rochester and Colorado, and they're they're going to need to right the ship pretty well. Rochester riding a five-game losing streak, which is ridiculous. And Colorado, I thought, was going to start turning it around. They're also on a two-game losing streak. So I don't know if it's accurate, but that's what I did change it to uh, before this past weekend of games. I'm actually excited about my two. We have an opposite opinion based on this last weekend I like I like one of your two more, and then I probably should have switched the other one, but you go ahead. That's fair. Yeah, uh, originally before the season started, I had Panther City as my seventh and Georgia as my eighth. And you had New York as your eighth. I had Georgia as my eighth. Uh, that was our really only change up from our playoff predictions that we had. Currently, I switched it to Georgia as my number seven seed and Saskatchewan Rush bumping all the way up from the number 10 seed in the preseason to my number eight seed. Now they're sitting at three and four. They're the only team, I believe, that has only played seven games. So there's Georgia has played 10. So Philadelphia Wings are also sitting at seven. Okay, it, it, I know both of those had a canceled game. Saskatchewan's got a very, very busy March, so their season's going to come down to what they do <laughs> yeah, in that one. Swarm thing at 10 is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, Georgia, uh, their offense definitely does scare me. Dobson has not had a great sophomore season so far, but they're already at six wins, and that definitely helps their case, similar to like Albany and San Diego and all them, so sitting at six wins already helps. And then the rush, all the numbers that I'm seeing – they're a much better team than the record indicates. It didn't help that, like I said, they're already sitting at seven games. But I think their offense and the way that Shiliano uh, is playing in net right now, they are a team that you would not want to face as a number seven or eight seed. Yeah, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, there's 10 teams, which is a lot, but there's 10 teams with positive goal differentials, and they are one of them, and they're one of, I think, maybe top six in the league in positive goal differentials. So that kind of shows that they do, you know, they're not getting blown out by any means. They have the the record doesn't necessarily indicate how they are as a team. Georgia's the team that I probably should have swapped in here. I thought they were going to continue losing like they were for a little bit there they were on a bit of a downswing with their entire team and even though they just won last weekend it was a very close game and one that they had to I believe come back in in order to win so I just wasn't really high on them but probably should have swapped them in and then Panther City is another team that I think has the ability to fight for that eighth spot I think the rush like you said I think Panther City that eighth spot's going to be nuts I mean if you look at the teams that are below, which we're, I guess we can jump into now. So I have Georgia, Rochester, Saskatchewan, and Vancouver as my next four. I do think Georgia will make it. Um, and currently the new version of what I had, which again, I think the Rush are wrong, but I had Georgia, Calgary, Panther City, and the Rush. Um, Calgary is just ridiculously confusing. I don't know what is going on over there. That's a team that I expected to kind of right the ship at some point. But if you look at just the teams fighting, we'll say for that A spot, I do think Georgia has 
a good chance of getting seven. So if you look at that eighth spot, you got Rochester, Colorado, who are really good, big powerhouse teams that in theory should be able to write the ship, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, then you got Calgary, same kind of situation. Good team that is not playing very well. Panther City, up and coming team that's playing well. And the Rush is an up and coming team that's playing well. So you got five, essentially five big teams, two that are newer and three that are powerhouses that are just not living up to it this year, all fighting for that one spot. And then a few other teams that are kind of straggling that are just hoping to stay alive. But it's going to be in a very, very intense end of the season, pretty much for that seven and eight seed. It's going to be pretty nuts to see what happens there. Yeah, my 13, 14, 15 seeds are Philly, Vancouver, and Las Vegas. I don't think any of them have a chance of making the playoffs. Same thing. So for me, my 9, 10, 11, 12 is Rochester, Colorado, Calgary, and Panther City. I could see Panther City rising in that. I had them number 12 seed before this weekend of games, and I did not. I had Colorado beating Panther City, and that's why I had those two. So if you want to flip Panther City, put them at 10, Colorado down at 12, wouldn't blame you. I'm just, it's, it's, Colorado's a weird one. Because I keep waiting for them to turn it on. The last few years, they've been, yeah, they've been a slow starter and they just haven't been able to put it together and rise in the standings and put those wins together. So, right. They're, they're definitely running out of time. Half their season's over. So it, it, it's, I think you said it perfectly. There's not much more I can add. The spots for seven, eight are going to be an absolute dogfight in this final 10 weeks of the season, which is crazy to think there's there's 21 total weeks. We're already through week 11, 10 weeks left. It's going to be an absolute dogfight down the stretch. And that's why if you're, you know, ahead of them, you got to keep doing what you're doing. I think, honestly, if you're sitting at the one through five seed, if you just play 500 the rest of the way, and I know you want to play better than 500, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying like this. If you play 500 the rest of the way, you're probably making the playoffs. If you play under 500, you're going to be brought back to that 7-8 spot where you don't want to be. You want to try to host a playoff game, be that one of those one through four teams, but it, it's it's weird. There's like to me, there's a top three team or top three tier, which I'm adding San Diego to the top three tiers. Then there's like a group of like teams that you think should be locked in like they're real close to being locked in but they're not there and then there's a group of like six or seven teams fighting for two spots that's why i absolutely love these unified standing just because it's going to be an absolute fight all the way through in these last 10 10 weeks and if you're not if you're just strictly a buffalo bandits fan and just watching buffalo bandits lacrosse that's fine that's perfectly fine there's no problems with that but I would advise you and hope that you would expand your your viewership and watch some of these other games because this weekend alone, how many of these games were one goal games, and how many of these games went back and forth all season or all game long? It was it was a very fun weekend of lacrosse, and it's going to be a very fun final ten weeks. Yeah, five out of the six games were within two goals. So yeah, it's nuts, and a lot of those were upset games. I mean. Yep. A lot of, I mean, like you said, Panther City over Colorado. Well, we're about to get into it. I'm not going to just rattle it off. So you can get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go look around the NLL right now. Six games. That was our playoff predictions. We'll send out the the fancy new logo. If you like the like the teacher homework correcting all the graphics from last week on, on Friday, you'll nice. get that in on, on Monday as well. I, that was my vision of when we were doing this. Like, hey, teacher marking it off, writing it in red pen. Pat did a very good job of uh, graphics there, so I'm happy he was We should have gotten... Uh, uh, fake stickers next to the ones that we kept. <laughs> I do like it. Like, <laughs> good little, job. Little star. Like a scratch and sniff. Did you have the scratch and sniff ones that uh, 
or sniff like uh, cherries and stuff like that. Oh, Same with the markers. Loved them. <laughs> I snuffed. I sniffed them so much that they would just lose their smell. I think they lose their smell after being out in the open so much. But I thought it was because I was sniffing so much. But okay, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Friday games. Halifax took down Las Vegas twelve to ten. A very close matchup. Vegas really made a great comeback because Halifax was up nine five and a half. Uh, we'll move on. The other game went to overtime. Panther City took this one over Colorado 14 to 13. Will Malcolm tied it at 13 with 34 seconds to go to force overtime. And, you know, Panther City went on to win this one. First game on Saturday, Georgia was able to hold off Rochester 14 to 12. Rochester tied at 12 12 with 6 17 to go. They just couldn't inch forward and take that lead. Calgary got the revenge versus Toronto for Toronto upsetting them. Well, not upsetting, but beating them at home last Saturday. Cal- or Calgary took this one 11 to 10. San Diego. Big time comeback. I'm sorry, New York big time comeback over San Diego. New York won this one 10 to 8. San Diego actually led 7 to 2 at halftime. I believe it was like 22 minutes or something like that, that New York held San Diego scoreless after their eighth and final goal in the third quarter. Just unbelievable. Six straight to end the game with New York. And then the final game of the weekend, Saskatchewan took down Vancouver, pretty much knocking any chance Vancouver had at the playoffs out of contention. They won 13 to 9. I do wish Vancouver was uh, not in Vancouver. <laughs> um, they have some really good play. I, don't, I know this is not a team that is in the trade market necessarily. They just built a lot of these players in free agency and everything, but they have some really good players that would look very interesting for some some trade conversations. I know the Bandits offense doesn't need anything, but they got some good offensive pieces. Um, but as far as the, the kind of things that stick out to me, the two, obviously the big ones, Calgary, um, the, the wind's exciting for them, but once again, they are getting up early and then collapsing. And then on the flip side, Toronto, once again, has a massive fourth quarter comeback. So those are two storylines to kind of keep an eye on. Like if the one, the bandits play Calgary, if, you know, Calgary ends up getting up early, I would not count them out. And then same thing with Toronto. If they're down late, they seem to be a massive fourth quarter team this year. So that's very scary for a team like that. You don't want to have to have. You know, be on edge the entire time. Like you mentioned, up 10-5 going into the fourth was Calgary, and then Toronto came all the way back and almost won it. So not great to have to play a team that's really, really good in the fourth. And then San Diego and New York, I think the biggest thing of this one is that there's two big things. One, New York's defense, that's massive. San Diego is one of, if not, I don't know where they end up are right now. They are probably top three in the entire league in scoring, and they might be number one now after this week's games, even with only scoring eight, but for, like you mentioned, 22 minutes of only one goal after that eighth goal. Um, and even in general, just holding a team like that to only eight goals for New York's defense is incredible. And also just not giving up, like being down against a very good team, seven, two at half. I know you can say like, oh, it, you know, you're, you're playing a game you want to win. It's easy not to give up, but it, it's really not being down like that against a powerhouse team like San Diego. I mean, incredible comeback from New York and just a, it's weird to say, but a big character victory for that team to prove that they can beat a top three team in the league and then prove that they can also not only beat them, but have to come all the way back to beat them. It's just a a really big win for that team, for such a young team to get a win like that. That is the kind of playoff caliber gritty comeback win that a team like that needs to kind of prove to themselves that they can do it. 
Yeah, Halifax finishing off Vegas. That was a nice win for them. I believe it's two or three in a row for them now. But Vegas had another. Yeah, Vegas Vegas had another nice game. They just have nice pieces. Uh, uh, Wesley having three goals. Watson had five points. Hannah had four points. The future is very bright in Vegas. They're just not there yet. But I like the compete, and I like some of the pieces around there. Hill had a very nice game. Panther City being able to hold off Colorado. That was a very long back-and-forth game. Demood you know, held him off as much as they could. Sheridan, best game of his career so far, five goals. And it was interesting to see Panther City put up 14, where Crawford only had three points in this one. It gives me a nice feeling with Panther City going forward that they can do it without having to lean on Carl or um, Callum Crawford this whole time. And Colorado, man, I don't, I don't know what the heck is going on with you. Giorgio able to hold off Rochester. It felt like Rochester was making that epic comeback. They just couldn't get that final gear and Dobson had a very good game. Hutchcraft only having to make 28 saves of 41 shots. Uh, no. Interesting. Very interesting that Georgia was able to score that many goals on that few of shots. Cal- Calgary. Able Do you to, think, sorry. Uh, yeah. Do you think Rochester, I mean, I know, again, their season, you don't want to say it's over. I mean, obviously three and five, not saying it's over. Sorry, that was a wrong way to put it. But they're in a position where they're they're in a bit of trouble. Do you think at some point, like there's not a ton out there, but do you think at some point they start calling teams about a goaltender? I mean, Hutchcraft, while he's not been terrible, and like you said, he's just trying to get into a starting role. So I don't think it's all on him by any means, but he's definitely not played great for a team that has the offense that they do I mean if if they had a better goalie with one of the best offenses in the league you'd think that they'd be winning more so and again I don't think it's all on Hutchcraft by any means but do you think they are calling around to see if they can find a a goalie upgrade at all well, they have. They they brought in Doug Buckin, who right. is their backup. But they also brought in Kevin Orleman. Remember, they sent out yep. Stephen Keogh and brought in Kevin Orleman, who's still hurt. He's still out. I don't know if they're just waiting and hoping he comes back and is that next piece, or if they're just going to keep rolling with Hutchcraft, or long shot, they're hoping Hartley comes back. But he didn't look right when he was healthy right. and starting the season. So there's just the issue is there's just not pieces and, and goalies out there right, on the market. There's, there's Getty in Albany, but he's only 22 years old, and I don't think they're going to be moving Jameson. So it's I think they're pretty much stuck with Hutchcraft and try to maybe add a couple defensive pieces to that team and try to Build bring out the best, best of Hutchcraft, but I'm not really positive. I think, that, I, I think they're pretty much stuck with what they have in net, at least. All right, continue. Sorry. But uh, Calgary, or Calgary be able to upset Toronto and give Toronto another loss. That was a huge one. Del Bianco is just a monster in this one. 44 saves out of 54 shots. Really good. The transition game with Calgary is the big reason that they were there. And then Corey Small, five more goals. Uh, Toronto's got to figure out what their offense is. Three games back with with Schreiber now. They got to figure out what's going on with that offense. Ten goals is not enough for the pieces that they have. New York, six straight to end the game, upsetting San Diego. Dunkerley. Honestly, Phil, I, going into the season, I was a really big fan of Dunkerley. Three games in, I'm like, okay, you know, the goals against is really high. Even the numbers now are really high. But the the recent stretch, they've been on four straight wins in five of the last six. Dunkerley has been a big key in why they've been winning so much. And then Saskatchewan finally turned it on three and four on the season. I, I think they have a very good chance of finishing strong and, you know, what I predicted, clinching one of those final two or three seeds in the playoffs yeah new york has played um nine games so they're a little bit ahead of the league other than georgia but 
Dunkerley is sitting number two. And again, having an entire extra game in there kind of right. skews these stats quite a bit. Um, but he is number two in shots on goal or, you know, shots against. So uh, New York's defense is getting better, but I don't think they're doing him a ton of favors either. But he is a pretty good goalie, especially with what the Bandits saw. I know the Bandits ended up putting up a lot of goals, but he made a lot, a lot of big saves in that game to keep New York in it. So I don't know if it's necessarily him that's the issue. They do have a young defense with a few veteran pieces that are all just trying to kind of put it together. But if their defense can step up a little bit and he continues to play like he has the ability to, they're going to be an interesting team to kind of keep an eye on. So that was week 11. We'll break down and look at week 12 next week. We got two more fun segments to talk about here. This was a late edition, an idea by you, the brainchild of the show. NLL and Bandits, biggest surprises and biggest letdowns midway through the season. Like we said, 21-week season. We're through 11, so we're more than halfway through this 2023 and 2024 NLL season. Phil, we'll start with the Bandits. What is your biggest surprise so far player-wise? We got players and overall topics. So what's your biggest Bandits surprise? We'll try to fly through these because I know we wanted to do like a quick, quick segment. So I, I guess... What's your biggest surprise and what's your biggest letdown for the Buffalo Bandits player-wise? Yeah, so you did a little bit more of a deep dive. I had a bit of the lightning round, so I wrote mine out so I could sprint through it. Surprise was Ian McKay. We know that he is a really good transition player on both offense and defense. That's what transition is, but he's my surprise player because of what he is doing in the faceoff dot. McKay has already taken a career-high 193 faceoff attempts this season. We're only eight games in, obviously, that's massive for this team. He's been a pretty welcome addition to the faceoff dot. And I think even though he doesn't win them all, we've talked about it a ton. He does a lot to cause disruption in the faceoff circle. So in Adler's absence, I think he's been a really, really welcome addition to finding a faceoff guy without having to go out and sign a Fogo. So he's done a really good job for the Bandits in that. And then the letdown is Brad McCulley. Uh, he's been missing the last five games. He has not been playing very well, and he's, just, he's a little bit invisible on offense, so I'd like to see him pick it up in the second half of the season. Uh, I think that's a bit of a cop-out, but I'll let you have it. My biggest surprise for the Buffalo Bandits player-wise is Chase Frazier. He's always been one of those you know, second-tier options. Not saying he's a second-tier player, but on this team where you got Dane Smith and Josh Byrne, second-tier you know, option still on really the good. offensive unit. Since the San Diego game, he's yet to score less than two goals in a game. He's got 18 goals, 13 assists, and 31 points. Previous highs were 32 goals, 24 assists, and 56 points. He is on pace to break all of those. And to have another secondary piece like a Chase Frazier that you can rely on and lean on, that is why the offense has been putting up these ridiculous points so far. And then my letdown, it's less about his play and more about what I was expecting and hoping to see from him was a different role. He's not playing bad defensively. I just wished I was seeing more in transition. If you listen to this show a lot, you're probably knowing who I'm talking about. Dylan Robinson. Like I said, it's not, I'm not let down by what he's putting on the field as defenseman, but it's more about, I was hoping that he was going to be that next Ian McKay in the transition role because he's got that speed. He's got that scoring touch. He's only got one goal on the year, 27 loose balls. Last year, he had two goals, six assists, eight points, 50 loose balls in just those 13 games before he got hurt. So that's more of a letdown on what I was hoping to see out of his role moving forward. And it's less about what I'm actually seeing because I really like his defensive abilities. I just wish he would be more 
involved in the transition game of the the sport. Yeah, I called Chase Fraser before the season started, so I'm just gonna you did just you gonna did. pat myself on the back on for the that one. Um, and yeah, I think the the bandits in general were just looking as, as a analysts of the team we're both looking for more transition players from this team they oftentimes and again when you have an offense that's this elite especially when you're rolling out seven eight forwards a game it's perfectly fine to pass it off to the offense and just let them do what they do best they're doing incredible things so i mean I, i feel like the team just doesn't push too hard for transition because of the offense that they have they don't you know need to rely on it as much but I mean, players like Robinson, Dylan Robinson, got to mention which one. And then Cam Wires, he's had a few transition plays where he's gotten a few breakaways with his speed. Just something we'd like to see more of in the second half. It's something we were expecting more of this season from those young defensemen who can really run. So we'll fly through these. The NLL players that you're surprised for and a letdown that you were expecting more from. So I love goalies. So I went with goalies for both of these. My surprise is Christopher... Origli- oh my gosh. Wrigley. 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 Yeah. I, you know, I even tried to spell it out for myself. It didn't work. He is 21 years old, nine games played, second in the league with a 9.73 goals against average, second in the league with just under an 80 save percentage. No one else is really close. I mean, Rose has a over 80 save percentage, but no one else is close to 80. He's played in nine games, but he is third in the league in saves as well. He's having just a ridiculous season for a 21-year-old, and he has been what San Diego has been missing. And if he keeps this up, he's just, I mean, he's going to be in contention. I don't know if he's going to get it with Rose playing the way he is, but he's absolutely going to be in contention for goalie of the year. If he can continue playing like this. And again, at 21 years old, it's ridiculous. And then the letdown I have is Dylan Ward. He signed a sparkling five-year deal this offseason with eight games played. He has a brutal 12.75 goals against third worst in the league and a 75.4 save percentage, also third worst in the league. Stats alone don't always tell the story. Not really sure what's going on with his defense in front of him. Not playing too well either, but just not a great start to the season for him. I agree with both of your goalie picks. Can't add more to it. Riggers is... he's. He's going to be a wonderkin. He's he's got a he's very very bright future ahead of him, and he's already playing like an absolute superstar. For me, surprise player Ethan Walker, twenty second in the league in scoring, sixteen goals, twenty four assists, forty points, second on the team in scoring. Last year he was eight twenty two and th- I'm sorry, twenty twenty two his rookie season. He was eight twenty two twenty two and thirty, and then last year twenty six thirty and fifty six. He's yet to have under three points in a single game. I think he is the most consistent forward on that team yes you have Ty Kurtz yes you have uh, Alex Simmons yes you have Travis Longboat and a few other players on there that are bigger names than Ethan Walker but he's the most consistent one he's the elder statesman on the forward group and I've been pleasantly surprised with that next step he was able to take on this team and I think the sky's the limit for him on this team and then my biggest letdown Patrick Dobbs I was such a a confused soul when Panther City traded him. I'm like, you just traded a guy who was an absolute stud his rookie year. I know he struggled a bit in his sophomore year, but what are you doing just like moving on from this guy when you're already limited in your 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 forward group? Well, like I said, he came over from Panther City for the rights to Matt Beers and the fifth overall pick. He hasn't done much. He's got four goals, 15 points, and 19. I'm sorry, four goals, 15 assists, 19 points, and seven of those assists came in one game. He just hasn't taken to this offense like I thought he would. He's behind, you know, Keenan. He's behind Church. He's behind Manns. He's like a fourth or fifth option on this team now, and I thought he would be a second or third option. 
he did turn it up a bit in this game on Saturday. I think he had one goal, four assists, or three assists or something like that. So he's come on a bit stronger. I'm just, I'm hoping to see a bigger performance from Patrick Dobbs moving forward after an absolute stud 84 points in his rookie year. Are we on to topics? Yes, on to topics. We'll start with the <laughs> Buffalo Bandits first. The surprise and the letdown on a more broad, it's not players, it's more of a broad statements on surprises and letdowns for the Buffalo Bandits. Yeah, so my surprise is still a player, but it is Brad McCauley. Um, it's still challenging to discuss this topic a little bit. The Bandits offense is averaging 14.2 goals since McCauley left, which is ridiculous but I don't think McCauley was obviously weighing the bandits offense down by any means I thought he was still a valuable part of the offense I like the team more with him on it than without him but the offense has not skipped a beat since he left and having two second round picks in the next couple of years is great so I think what's going to be interesting is down the line if there's any injuries or when playoffs come having that kind of gritty forward is great to have I know Brandon Robinson has stepped into that role pretty well himself but I think that's still probably the surprise of the year. I don't think either of us going into the season saw Brad McCauley being traded. So to me, even though it's a player, it's still the surprise of the year. And the letdown for me is the defense. They had a nice three-game stretch where they did not allow more than nine goals. But since then, they've allowed an average of 14 goals in the last four games. The offense is the reason the team is winning right now. But at some point, the defense is going to have to pick it up. I know they have a few new pieces that they kind of need to get things together. But And Vince hasn't been bailing them out quite as much as he did last year. Not saying that he's playing poorly, but he isn't making quite as many ridiculous, you know, defense has to be bailed out kind of saves. But either way, everyone on the back end, Vince probably included, all just kind of need to pick it up in the second half and play better. So my surprise is for the Buffalo Bandits, more stats, and it just seems like they care more about those stats. They are noting more milestones that occur. They seem to be more willing to deep dive into those rather than just, you know, a a secondhand comment on it. There's more articles involving these numbers. There's more lead up to them. I know they started last year about like the 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 leaders for both teams on the on the jumbotron. It just seems like they're putting more emphasis on actually caring about these possible stats and milestones. Yes, this is a shot at you, NLL. Fix your stat website because it still won't load. I don't know what you did when you crashed the whole website a couple weeks ago, but fix that, please. But I I do like it. I think I said it on the last show. I don't care who gave them the idea. I don't care how it started. Maybe it was from us. Maybe it wasn't from somebody else. But I do like that they're actually putting graphics and making notes in the games. And Sweeney's been a really good job of it by saying, hey, Matt Vince is the third most in goals or uh, games played now in the NLL history. This is Dane Smith's thousand point. This is 400 points for Josh Byrne. I don't remember them doing this in the past. Maybe they have. I just like that they're doing, they're, they're taking more initiative in spreading that awareness and giving the player the recognition that they deserve. And I really, really like that because I'm kind of a nerd on this kind of stat stuff. And then my letdown third quarter play. Last year, they were plus 22 in that quarter. They averaged 3.78 goals for and 2.5 or 5.6 goals against. This year, they're even and they're averaging 2.75 goals for and goals against. So whatever Johnny T was saying in the locker room last year did not translate to this year because uh, they're not bad, but they're not as good as they were last year. So I'm expecting. I'm hoping and expecting after this bye week and this 10 straight week stretch that the Buffalo Bandits have that the third quarter play improves because if they do, I could see this team shrinking their goals against and maintaining their goals for. 
Yeah, they definitely need, especially in those last two games, the fourth quarter comes back by the opposition. It's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like after the break. I know you're not going to make any monumental changes by any means on one week off, but hopefully they just tightened a few things up, especially on defense. But NLL topics, my surprise is very boring because it's kind of everyone's surprise of the year, but it is Albany. They are on a two-game losing streak. It might be crashing back down to earth, but I don't think anyone predicted them to start the season 6-2 and two and look quite as good as they have as such a young team. And my letdown is the pretty much entire former West. The San Diego Seals are the only team in the top seven from the former West and is joined by Panther City Lacrosse currently as the only two teams in a playoff spot. So out of the... Eight teams that are in a playoff spot. Six are from the former East, only two from the former West. Pretty embarrassing, if we're going to be honest. I mean, Colorado, Calgary, two of the teams that you expect to be up there are crashing pretty hard so far this season. So really not great for the former West teams. Former East is really picking it up. Yeah, I'll blow through mine really quick because I know we're going a little bit long. Surprise, Las Vegas Desert Dogs last year, 5-13. and 13. They're already 3-5, and five, and... Two of those wins were over San Diego and Albany, two of the top teams in the standings right now. Uh, Really expecting to see them take off maybe next year because I think they have the main pieces. I'm excited to see where Sean Williams and this uh, Sin City team takes it. And then the biggest letdown, ESPN Game Feed. Uh, I feel like it's been a bit better than it was last year. It's not as in and out as it was last year. You remember... The, the camera would cut out and it would just say, hey, interruption, trying to fix the problem, coming back shortly. And then it would play the same 10 second loop over and over and over and it would just make you ram your head through the wall. But there's still no power play time showing up. It just lists the word power play. Cool. Great. Love it. It seems like it's an ESPN problem because for the most part, I was noticing it in the Vancouver and Saskatchewan game. They have the power play time ticking down. So maybe... When it's the Canadian teams and they're pulling from the TSN websites and whatever, I, that's way beyond my skill level and knowledge. But it seems like when it's just US-based teams and it's the ESPN Plus uh, uh, model, they just list power play. And it doesn't have anything to do with the power play time. I just, more details and more attention on these kind of things. I would like to know how much time's left on the power play. I'm pretty sure my neighbor would like to know. I'm pretty sure everybody would like to know how much power play time's left. I just, I I wish they would just add that little small piece to it because you fix one thing, just add this little piece to it. I would really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I wish even, this is completely off topic and we're running long, but I wish even in-game that the shot clock when it's under 30 seconds would match the game clock that's left. It's so crazy to me that, they just turn it off and the team has no yeah. idea how many seconds are actually left in the game unless they look way up at the score behind the net. Like, why does the shot clock not equal what is left in the game clock when it's under 30 seconds so the team knows how much time is actually left in the half? I always thought that was weird that they just shut it off and you're like, all right, good luck knowing how much time's left. You got to look at the Jumbotron or look at the scoreboard way up in the in the sky behind the net. I always thought that was strange, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. But uh, we are about 55 minutes in. We still got one topic here. The Super Bowl is happening after we get done recording here. It is about 1.45 on Sunday. And by the time everybody's listening to this, the Super Bowl will already happen. Your parties will already happen. Your consuming of beverages, pizza, wings, whatever else you have at your party will have already been concluded. So what we wanted to do is a Super Bowl draft party. You can only draft Buffalo sports people athletes, coaches, whatever you want. Phil, 
Do you have your list of four players you really, really want and the reasons why you really, really want them? I do. Am I am I kicking it? Would you like the first pick or the second two? I will let you have that option because why not? I'm going to go second two and risk it. <laughs> okay, perfect. I will choose for my number one pick, and it's a pretty clear and obvious one, and there's a big reason behind it. I would like to draft and bring to my Super Bowl party Josh Allen. The biggest reason why is because he makes the most amount of money out of all these players, and he'd be able to fund our drink and food food you know, uh, delicacies that we bring to the party. So I'm drafting Josh Allen, one, because he's the major celebrity out of all these players, but two, because of his bank account, and he can afford to you know, fund this party that we're having, and we'll probably have like a jumbo uh, projector screen in the backyard and and drinks galore and food galore. That's that's why I'm I'm drafting Josh Allen. See, originally I thought I was going to go that route as well. But I feel like as long as I have one person that has a lot of money, because most of these people do, um, I should be all right. But he that's does fair. he does have an insane amount of uh, throwaway cash. But I was hoping you would go that direction. So my second two, I'm going with the dynamic duo of Dane okay. Smith and Josh Byrne. I think they would be a real good time at a at a Super Bowl party, especially if you can get both of them. So having the second two, I will absolutely take the uh, the dynamic duo and the the swag that they would bring and the just pure entertainment and good times. I think they would be at a at a Super Bowl party. Weren't even on my list. Didn't wow. even make my list. Uh, I I feel like our lists are. I mean, I have some real wild cards, so I thought we would have a pretty different list. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna play the game here. Okay. I'm going to take who I'm taking Jeff Skinner just because I think he is on my listing. Yeah, I think he would be a good time to have at a party. I'm, I'm taking Jeff Skinner and, you know, nine million dollars a year. My party is going to be absolutely loaded with money. He might. I, I, the Sabres are just they're a tricky one with a Super Bowl party. I don't, I don't know. He's like, I, I, I feel, feel like the, getting the, away, though. Getting like the fun, goofy guys, like that's who you want, like Jeff Skinner. Yeah, like that's that's, yeah, that's the exactly. one you're looking for. But I feel like they, as far as options go, I feel like they don't have a ton of options that I would he want. He is the only saber on my list, so yes, yeah. I, I fully agree with right. you. Okay, um, I've got the entertainment value and the bank account with both of my players so far. Yeah, so this one does have the bank, so that's exciting. Um, basically, anyone on the bills has has the bank, um, but this one, pure. Entertainment value, not a name that we've heard on the Bills for a little bit because he's quite injured and upset. But Trey White, going to bring him to the draft party. I think, I mean, just everything we've seen from him, he is an incredible human being and a lot of entertainment, and he does have a lot of money. So I think he would be a great time. He can fund it, um, but also he's just, he's a good person. He's, He's a lot of fun. I am also going to go the Bills route. This will be my second Bills player. And I am also going the fun route. My party's going to be very fun. Deion Dawkins, he's just a fun dude. You see him at the... He's not only just a fun dude, he's a good dude as well. So I'm going to pick Deion Dawkins. This might come back to haunt me because I feel like offensive and defensive linemen can just eat (laughs) and drink. So he might eat too much at my party. But that's why I have Josh Allen and Jeff Skinner funding it. To uh, not have to really worry about that I mean, fact, but I'm going Dawkins. Well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Dawkins. Just my party's gonna be fun, man. I, I got a lot of characters at my party. You do. Um. So the last one, I'm gonna go back to the bandits, and I'm gonna be strange with this one a little bit. 
Um, but I feel like you got to have the the fun kind of dad persona at your party. And I'm going to go. I am wondering which of these two, because I have both of them on my list for this exact reason. I'm going Coach John Tavares. Okay. I don't have that one then. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. So I'm going with him. I feel like he's just going to bring that that dad energy that you got to have at a Super Bowl party and also the the wartime stories of his entire career, uh, I think would be a good time. But I feel like you just got to have, you can't have all young, young players that are going to whoop it up. I feel like you got to have, have that, that older dad vibe as well. So I'm excited to see how you're going to close out then. Yeah. So I currently, my team looks like Josh Allen. I got Jeff Skinner and Deion Dawkins. I got the party zone. I can either continue with that or I could go your route and having somebody that polices it. And because this is the Super Bowl, because I don't really care about who wins and loses in this Super Sadly. Bowl, probably going to be dozing in and out of it. Uh, I want complete and total chaos. So my, my two dads were Kyle Kyle Buchanan and Matt Vince. That's where I kind of <laughs> thought you were going to go because like you know it. the elder statesman and kind of more of the calming presence. Buchanan uh, still uh, seems there. like he'd be a, a hoot, though. Yeah, um, it's a funny I also had like Devin Levi out there because he's younger, but he's more like a Jedi master. I had Reed Ferguson because he's, <laughs> he's sponsored by a couple of grill masters. Time. That's fair. But I don't think there could be a party without Ian McKay. So I'm going to fill up my final spot with Ian McKay and just go with the full on one from each team kind of uh, I like vibe I got going out there. And he is. Would you say he's your favorite Buffalo player like of all the sports? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if that's tough or not for you, but I, I know he's I know very Matt Milano's up there, but Matt Milano, the, the type of player I enjoy is not one that is enjoyed by very many other. Like, I was a big Sean Williams fan. Loved him when he was here. I know you hated him, but I, whatever. But Not Williams, Evans. Yeah, that's what I said. You said Williams. I did not oh, dislike no, Sean no. Williams. You take yeah, that. Sean, Ev- Sean Evans. I apologize. <laughs> Sean Evans. Yeah. Very I, different I you, players. Yes. I know you weren't a big fan of his tactics, but I'm I love not. that kind of player. Um, I think Ian McKay doesn't have that in him, but he's that. He's scrappy. He's this scrappy guy, but he's more like, I remember in his younger years where he would always just mess with Matt Vince and it was a weird combination <laughs> that they two, those two were friends. That, you know, he, they sent out those videos. I think this was all pre-COVID, too. He was just, like, playing the air guitar with his his uh, stick and stuff like that. That's kind of where I became a fan of him. And he's just kind of, like, progressed as probably my, uh, if I'm taking, if I'm putting on my bias head, I think Ian McKay is probably my favorite Buffalo sports athlete right now. I was just wondering, but, yeah. Good good party, sir. You got a good party. But, Phil, uh, who, who's bringing the stuff to your party and who you got in on your invite list to close it out your top four? Excuse you. What? Oh, am I just saying my top Yeah, four? just run through who you drafted. Yeah. <laughs> you said that very strange. I right. made it more complicated than it had to be. Uh, yeah, I have the dynamic duo, Dane Smith and Josh Byrne, bringing the energy with Trey White and John Tavares as our uh, coach policing the party a bit. I have uh, Josh Allen and Jeff Skinner footing the bill. Then I got Deion Dawkins coming for the food, and I got Ian McKay just because, you know, he's, he's the... the yeah, good people. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have producer Pat make that graphic and figure out who you guys like the most. You don't really have to vote on it. It's not like a true, true voting draft to figure just out who wins time. and who loses. But, uh, yeah, just throw out some of the names that you would want if you were bringing people to the Super Bowl At least one. Give us one draft. name yeah. that you would want to hear. Shoot out one that we didn't pick. Part. 
Yeah. Also works. Your top one that we didn't pick. Even if it's one that we picked, pick a different one because we already drafted them. They can't come to your party. So, Phil, uh, anything else before we shut this down? I go edit and produce it and all that kind of stuff before the Super Bowl starts kicking off and we have to listen to Usher at, at halftime. I mean, you don't have to. Um, it's true. But, yeah, we will be back with uh, the Bandits after their nice little vacation. I assume they enjoyed the random nice weather that Buffalo had in February. It was very strange, but hopefully they got out, played some outdoor lacrosse, and they are relaxed and ready for the second half of their season coming to kick it and take first place. Yeah, if uh, you're a fan of the Buffalo Bandits, 10 straight weeks of us talking about them. And uh, thank God, because uh, we're not talking about the Buffalo Savers, and I don't really feel like doing it unless it makes some kind of change. Make a trip. Maybe, maybe Do by something, Friday. as the shirt says. Yeah, maybe uh, by Friday there'll be some new addition to the team. But yeah, on our next show, we will preview the Bandits-Halifax game. We'll go over the Sabres games that took place. And anything else in between, I guess we'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, our favorite commercial or Super Bowl halftime show or what else. That happens in this game. I'm just rooting for a fun, entertaining, and I hope everybody has some fun. But yeah, have have a safe, fun, entertaining Super Bowl. I hope as you're listening to this now, it already happened, but hopefully everybody had a fun and safe one. So we'll see you all on Friday. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at, like I said, Buffalo Sports Collective and on X and Blue Sky Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. You can find my article that is dropping on Thursday for the new updated, freshly painted uh, BSC Power Rankings. And then follow our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to also leave a review on Apple and Spotify. Those numbers are increasing there and we love to see it and they definitely help us get noticed more and more so five stars only if you only want to give us a one star give it to somebody else we don't want it so uh until next time bye bye